Good morning, beloved. Good morning, beloved. You remember when Jesse, um, beloved, my goodness, I feel like a proud dad moment. It's, it's, it's not often that I'm able to get to share the word of God and not have to sing or be on stage. I wanted to play bass, but I decided, no, let me just focus. Nobody let me, okay? They wouldn't let me. But Jesse said it this morning, the excitement of the kids, of his son, Ollie is right here, and he sits through half the service. He does. The excitement of the kids, and we have to come to Christ like that. I don't know if you noticed that as soon as Kevin, he messed up, because as soon as Kevin opened the curtains, that was their cue. They're like, I'm out of here. I want to go receive God myself. I want to go and impart in that. So good morning. For those of you who may not know me, I'm the talking pastor. I like to talk a lot. Now, my name is Reggie, and I'm one of the elder pastors here at Beloved Church, and so I'm excited. I finally had the opportunity to bring God's word. It's very difficult for me to get an opportunity to do that, not because they don't let me, but because I love worship, and you know that. We are going to be a church that worships through everything we do and say, amen? But before we get started, would you mind praying with me? Would you pray first? I'm selfish, so let's pray for me first. I told you, we're going to have fun today in church. Um, Can you pray for me? Um, Pray that God would speak through me, that he would remove any selfish ambition any desire for me to be glorified, Reggie, check my heart, right? That he would remove that. Can you do that for me? And then can you pray for us as the body? Pray that God would speak to our hearts, that his spirit is moving, and he would reveal more of his word to us, his, his true love for us, amen? So God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together as the church, unashamed, coming to this building right now, that we don't have to hide in basements, we don't have to scurry away with our Bibles, but we can be bold and unashamed for you. God, I pray from my heart that you would speak through me. May your words echo true and true. Remove any selfish ambition, any desire to take the glory, and may all the praise, all the glory, all the honor be to your name alone. And God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. Thank you that you have brought them here to church this Sunday morning, not just to beloved, but to fellowship with one another, God. I pray that you would soften their hearts, that you would open up their spiritual ear as we read and dive into your word, God that your love would be revealed, that your wonder and your truth would be seen. And God's people say, I said God's people say, again, I'm the talking pastor and I want you to start talking to me. Now, if you have lived in Claremont, I know you're looking at the bikes. Um, I had to bribe Augie, my son, he's four, uh, with a dollar to let let me borrow his bike and then challenged him not to use it during the service. Good luck. And then I have this one over here. But um, if you've lived in Claremont, Lake County area, Orange County area, I moved from Orange County to Lake County a couple years ago, we have a huge, we have a big cycling community. And we have a lot of cyclists, we have a lot of athletes in the building. So I'm going to be picking on you all today. I hope that's okay. You can't say anything. I'm the one up here right now. So. But in Lake County, every week, every weekend, these hills in Lake County see more tire tracks from bicycles than any other competition. I'm talking about races every week or weekend. I'm talking about triathlons, marathons, Mark in the back, and Jordan can tell you about Ironman swimming and riding bikes and running. And if you're like me, I'm all about, you know, I'm a Caribbean dude. I'm all about peace and love unless you come at my family, which is you guys. Man, I'm going to stomp on the devil's head real quick. But I'm a peaceful driver. I'm all about peace and love. And I have no problem sharing the roadway with cyclists. But if you're like my wife, she's in the back. She's kids ministry today. Um, And you have a little bit deep, deep down of road rage. (laughs) Now, listen, I know you guys are laughing. And the ones who are laughing, it's okay. It says confess your sins to one another. We're not going to shame you. Maybe you have a little struggle with traveling with the cyclists because they're traveling in groups of 12 
15, 20. They're traveling huge. Like, come on, y'all. But when you move past your feelings, when you move past all of that, maybe you're like me and you're questioning, why do these cyclists, why are they riding so close to one another? It's literally as though their tires, their wheels are like touching. They're right there. Like, why do they got to travel so big? Is that their squad? Their crew? Like, it's... And let me tell you, cyclists, um, it's not because they have extreme poor or poorly extreme depth, depth perception. It's not because they have some weird kind of fixation or fascination. They have a death wish or they're adrenaline junkies. They want to live on the edge. Pastor Kevin, if you look at this bike later, you'll see there's a lot of duct tape and bandages. It's a little bit twisted. I'll explain that later. It's not because of that, church. Do you know that they're doing something called drafting? And maybe you've heard sermons like this. Maybe you've looked it up yourself. But drafting is one of those ways when you travel in a group that you can actually go faster and further with less energy. The basic approach is a group of cyclists will ride close, wheel to wheel, tire to tire, right behind each other. And the person at the front, they'll take turns, the individual take turns pulling the line. Now, Lake County, Claremont, Groveland, Mascot, Leesburg, we had some crazy weather phenomenons this week. We had snow. My son and I were, no, it was hail. My son and I were in the back room and we're, back room and we're trying to build snowmen. It did not work. So if you're into science, because Kevin always says, if you're into the Bible, the deep, this is for my geeks to nerd out for a minute. But if you're into science, what these cyclists are doing is they're creating a low pressure zone. The cyclist at the front, as he or she is riding at the front of the line, they're literally cutting the air. They're breaking the air, moving forward, and by default, pulling the ones behind them forward. That's insane to think about. It is said, the studies have been done, that shows that cyclists can reduce their aerodynamic drag to as much as 30% by drafting behind one another. But church, there's also a psychological boost, and we all know this. When we are in community, there's something about your energy. There's something about you and your encouragement to me that lifts my spirit. And you don't even know that I'm struggling today. But when you travel in groups as cyclists, you have a psychological boost, right? You're able to gain mental strength to keep going, right? To go further. And I told Mark, I told Mr. Kent that I was going to pick on them. There's something called the wall. If you've heard the wall, give me a couple blinks. The wall is when you're an athlete, you get to this moment where you start struggling. There's a barrier in front of you and you have to encourage yourself. If you're riding by yourself, you have to encourage yourself. Come on, Reggie, push through. But if you're in a group, you're counting on their help. So maybe you're asking, Reggie, you've talked about bikes. You know, I really wanted to wear my, I don't have one, I don't ride bikes. I wanted to borrow Kevin's, I was going to have him model his spandex, his bike, but they won't let me do that here. The elders said no. But maybe you're asking, Reggie, what's the whole point about cycling? What's this have to do with the church? Well, church, it's because we receive a similar benefit when we follow Christ together. Remember that. We have a similar benefit as Christians, as believers, as the church, as community, rather than doing it alone, we can draft after each other, one after the other. We can, it enables us to travel further for the kingdom. It enables us to live a life that is easier. And listen, life is not easy. God is for us and he is with us through everything, but he's given us individuals to walk alongside with us. Community. It allows us to accomplish more, to maintain our focus and our reliance on Christ alone for those difficult seasons. So that being said, that means we also receive psychological benefits, but we also receive emotional benefits, right? physical benefits, or spiritual benefits, and that is all through Christ Jesus. So 
continuing in our, our sermon series. Our sermon series is devoted, and that is not a picture of me. I don't know, Kevin does all the designs, but it's not a picture. It's devoted. We're out of the book of Acts, and Pastor Kevin did a wonderful job last week as he started and launched us in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You know, the Bible, the early church, the early believers, they were devoted to one another, but they had key beliefs, key truths, key benefits, and Kevin called it blueprints that they held together as they followed Christ. So would you please open your copy of scripture? If you're following along or your phone, it's okay. Just don't look at the notification. Just go straight to the Bible. (laughs) I'm kidding. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're going to pick up in 42. And so you follow along. They, the church, the early believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had needed. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, church, every day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. So I want to focus on the second section of 42, verse 42. It says, these new believers devoted themselves to, say it louder, say it again, fellowship. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Can I tell you, the word fellowship is usually used in a church setting, right? In a believer setting. And it talks about our daily activities, our social activities that we engage in together. Now, if you know my wife, you know she's the introvert. So I try not to talk about her a lot. But she grew up in a Baptist world. And in the Baptist world, when you talk about fellowship, what that usually meant was one Sunday out of the month or out of the year, we would have dinner on the grounds or dinner on the lawn. And it would be a giant potluck of food coming together, and we would fellowship and have community that way, right? Anybody knows what I'm talking about? It was fire. It was good food. But if you grew up like me, my parents were pastors, Pentecostal, non-denominational, after our four to five hour service, not kidding, and my brothers and I as worship leaders, we would be on stage and we would just sit. So I would usually have Brian just stay here. Well, run it again, Brian. No, please, Dad, let's go eat. After the four or five hour service, we would go hit up a Chili's or Golden Corral because it was less expensive. And we would spend another three to four hours fellowshipping with the church and just loving each other. We would shut the place down. They loved our business, but they also hated us because we were so, can you bring this table closer? But church, can I tell you, it's more than just that. Now, no knock on food. Y'all know that I'm a foodie. I'm a Caribbean boy. I love food. And yes, you can have great fellowship around meals. Look at Jesus. Jesus came into people's lives, right? He stepped into their homes. He ministered. He healed. He loved people around the dinner table. The early church, it says here, the early church, they broke bread together, including the Lord's Supper, which Pastor Kevin will share more on next week, to remember what Christ did for them as they are walking, following Christ. So yes, meals and time together at the table can be really, can allow really deep connection deep fellowship. But church, it is way more than our stomach. You can smile. It's okay. 
I believe as believers, as Christians, we do not realize the value. Everybody say value in fellowship, in Christian biblical fellowship. If we can truly understand the meaning of deep togetherness, one devoted to each other fellowship, you as the individual, myself included, we can grow spiritually in our walk with Christ, but also as the church, the body in unity. The first believers, it says here, the first believers devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, I'm the pastor that likes to teach you Greek or Latin or Hebrew. I like to take you back to the root. Can I tell you that the word fellowship does not exist in the Greek? Because it's too complex. The word is konania. It's not a bad word. Okay, I looked it up and I pronounced it. Chris is really good at pronunciation too. Everybody say konania. And then you'll see it on the bottom line later on. But konania means fellowship, right? That was how they broke it down. But what it really meant was participating to participate with one another, the sharing in and the sharing of. Now, in your mind, put parentheses next to those words. The sharing in and the sharing of. I'm going to talk about that later. All right? They were contributors to the community. They partnered. They communed together. The believers of the early church, they shared life together. Fellowship, togetherness because of Jesus. They were part of a new family that God created through and in his son, Jesus Christ. Their connection with each other was more than any philosophical agreement about a set of ideas. It was more than the music. And I can tell you in here, we have a lot of great music fans in there. And my music genre could be different than yours. But it was way more than that. It was way more than, did they grow up in the same hometown? Did we come from Lake County area? It was more than the church they attended. It was more than their social club or their political party. This is what they recognized. You ready? They recognized that the connection that they shared between each other, being devoted to one another, was one of the most deepest relationships that a human could have on this side of heaven because they were connected spiritually with Jesus Christ. Now, that's a lot to intake. When Christ ascended back into heaven, this is the early church, he told them, I'm going to leave you the helper. When, usually when I say that, Augie knows, the helper the spirit, his presence, his spirit. And they understood that they were connected. And Jesus himself actually says that this relationship supersedes any other. Now, you may or may not agree with me on this, but I found that we, in the Western side, in the Western culture here in America, stepping on some toes, that we have a major disconnect when we talk about Christian fellowship. A major disconnect. Here's why. It's been so watered down. It's been so distorted, it's been so removed from the truth because of the world. Here's the example, off the grid right here. You ready? Check out my social media. If you are a person that checks social media, Kevin is not, check out my social media. Use me as an example. On my social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, I will show you pictures of the perfect side of me, myself, and I, oh, and my family. No one laughed? If you go to my social media right now, I tagged us this morning and I said, hey church, it looks cloudy out here, but I'm expecting God to show up. For me, myself and I, oh, and my family. I made sure the lighting was perfect on my beautiful skin, my hair, the curls, you can see it. Look at the video, go look at it, not now, later. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? We in our society, we can put on our mask, our charade, and I can show you the best side of me. I can show you this bike with all the color. But you don't get to walk through this bike. 
You don't get to walk through the seasons of difficulty that this bike has gone through, that I've walked through. You don't get to walk through my hurts, my pains, my hills, my valleys, my ups and downs, the times where I was dependent on God. I'm not going to show you that. I'm not going to show you a grown man crying on social media. What happened if we did, though? And just like that, there's also a difference between these two bikes. When we fellowship with one another, it is important to know who we're riding behind. Who are you following? Who is in your community? Who is in your circle? And Kevin has shared this before, and the pastors have shared this. As men, our friend group diminishes as soon as we hit 25, and you usually have two or three close friends that you consider best friends outside of your wife, your spouse. Two or three friends. Think back to high school. Everybody knew Reggie. Everybody knew my voice. Everybody, oh, that's Reggie, PK, preacher's kid. And maybe you're an introvert, like, hey, nobody knew me in high school, but I had people knew me, I had friends. And so that's the point. When you are writing, do you want to show people this side? And again, I'm going to raise it just so you can see it. Colorful, we got red, we got green. This is PJ Mask. If you don't know it, if you're not a grandparent or a parent, I'm sorry, this is a good show. These are kids that are superhero, that wears pajamas to fight crime. Amanda's like, no, it's not. It's not a great show. Bluey is a great show. Bluey. Shh. They're not promoting us yet, church. But anyway, I can show you this side of my life, or I can show you this side. But if we talk about fellowship, if we were doing the Tour de France, and if you don't like sports and you don't follow along, the Tour de France is this big, big competition, a big race over hills in France. Would you, and we are the beloved team. So everybody say, beloved church, beloved team. All right. Would you rather Reggie, I'm on your team because you guys selected me, I'm last in the list. As our last pick, we select Reggie Mangle. Woo! Would you rather me on the Tour de France whipping this bad boy around? Can you see it? Or would you rather me on a professional bike ride made for this race? PJ. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that, Pastor Chris. Here, you don't want me in this. This slips. Augie was riding back in, it's so slippery. You want me on a bike that has been seasoned, that has been tested for this. I will share more on this bike later. But if you look at this bike, this bike has been through ups and downs, hills and valleys. And so again, who you have in your circle, or again, Jesus had 12. I mean, he ministered to 5,000. They knew him. They knew his voice, but he had 12. And then when he went off to be on his own, he took three. It got smaller and smaller. So the question arises, why are we no longer devoted in this deep sense of prayer to one another? Why don't we share deep, intimate meals with each other, one another? Hey, it's more than just, hey, how are you doing today? It's how you doing, and remember what we talked about? How are you doing with that struggle? Why are we no longer deep connection with the scriptures with one another? Some of my favorite verses talks about the one another. Iron sharpens iron. A cord of two or three are not easily broken. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, one of my favorites says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. You can't end there. Oh, but pity the one who falls without another who can lift him up. We need each other. We as the believers nowadays in the church, we spend one hour. How long do we do here, Kevin? An hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes at church? You can't fulfill your cup of fellowship, your love cup of fellowship, in just an hour on a Sunday morning. Here's why. There's six other days in the week. There's got to be more intentionality. We got to dig deeper, engage deeper, not just surface level. 
Because as true believers, that's what Christ has called us to. So we at Beloved Church, we talk about our monthly equipping classes, right? In these equipping classes, once a month, we dive deeper into God's word, into theology, into hearing the heart of Christ, building our walk with him. There's one coming up next week. Not a shameless plug, I'm telling you. Because again, we need to understand true fellowship, and it's in his word. Then we also said here at Beloved Church that we, and we're going to continue to do it, and we're fighting daily for that, that we are going to be a church of home groups. Here's why. Raise your hand if you agree with me. Or how many of you received a hug from Reggie this morning? New people included. You received a hug from me. Okay, put your hands down. I will get the rest of you later. Okay, honestly, church, I wish I can hug and kiss your head every morning and just say, hey, church, I love you. I'm praying for you. God loves you more. But it's not realistic. But when we are, again, home groups are part of the church. When we are able to come into a smaller community, I can hear your stories. I can see a different side of you in these intimate moments. Now, we've also talked about um, accountability partners or the discipline practicing partner. This month, anybody know what our discipline was this month? Celebration. How many of you guys text somebody this week and say, hey, I'm celebrating. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you where God has taken me from. Every month, we have a discipline. It's on our website. We talk about it each week. You're supposed to call or text 30 minutes a week just to check in and say, hey, what are you doing on this discipline? So there's multiple ways that we could connect in this way. Now, don't be mad at Reggie. You may say, Reggie, this is a vulnerable place for me, right? But God, church, has called us to this, sharing our stories with one another, hearing stories from one another, sharing our hurts, our pains, our victories, our joys with one another, to encourage and uplift each other the way Christ loved the church. This deep, meaningful relationship is godly. The idea that we share over and over, that we want to be people, we want to be a place, we want to be a church for the kingdom, for his glory, that will show people a place to belong, be known, and be loved. Those are all vulnerable places. Okay, here's your extra credit. You ready? I'm giving you credit here. Look to the person in front of you. Look at their beautiful, the back of their head. If you're looking at me. Look to the person behind you. You should catch them as you turn. I don't see you doing it. Turn around. Look at the person. Your pastor's talking. Look to the person to the right. Look how beautiful they look. Say, hey, man, you look beautiful today. Look to the person to the left. Say, hey, you look handsome. Wow, you image bearer. You image bearer. You look like Christ, man. All right. How many of you know their life story? How many of you actually know more than just, they smell good today, yo. I wonder what kind... Oh, he had breakfast. I, you know, when I was sitting next to Chris, I was wondering, what did he have for breakfast? Chris is a phenomenal cook. What did he have for breakfast today? Omelette, bacon, egg, and cheese. Talk to me. We don't put ourselves in those circumstances because of vulnerability. And if we were honest with ourselves at the church, we would say it's because of fear. I'm with you. This extrovert, I'm there. Sometimes I don't come up. I don't sit next to you. I don't want to dive deeper. Maybe it's pride. Hey, if I share one with them, they got to share something with me and... Sometimes we feel like we are not the person they need. And you're right. You're darn right. You're not the person they need. They need Jesus. But God has put you in their life for that reason, to point them back to Christ. And so wouldn't it be attracting? Wouldn't it be honestly attractive if we as beloved church, and again, the church is not these four walls. I don't view this as beloved church. I view each and every one of you as beloved church. Let's just say we're a target. 
I'm a shopper. I love shopping. I love clothes. We're at Walmart, wherever it is. And I see you. And I'm like, yo, yo, beloved. And I hug you. And people are like, they really love each other. And I'm like, hey, Jesse, I'm going to come through tomorrow. And I'm going to help you with the garden. My son plucked one of his non-ready watermelons. Sorry, this weekend. Hey, I'm Jesse, I'm going to help you. They are devoted to one another. They care about one another. What if we were truly the epitome of the word, Eddie and Tanya, they're not here today, familia, that we were truly the word family, devoted to one another, loving one another. God calls his church the family, the body of Christ. Can you do me a favor? I do this all the time, and if you've ever received a text message from me, new or member, family, familia. You get a text message from me saying, hey, you were in my heart on my prayer time this morning. The Spirit put you on my mind this morning. I'm praying for you. Or, hey, how can I pray for you? Or how about we call Tyler and say, yo, Tyler, Monday evening or Tuesday evening. Let's do Tuesday evening. Don't tell your wife, don't cook dinner. Cameron and Tyler, don't cook dinner. My family's going to come through and we're going to pick you up tacos. Taco Tuesday, baby. Don't worry about dinner. Focus on the family. We'll take care of you. Or what about, hey, I heard you had a flat tire and you had to get a donut. You're right now on a donut. How about I go purchase you a tire? It's more than just the physical needs, but there's an intimacy that happens there. God has called us to deep Konania fellowship. Now, in, uh, there's a, a great passage in John chapter 1. Oh, sorry, 1 John chapter 1. Let me get there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there. But 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 says, What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Konania, church. Say that again. Konania means, the, I remember I talked about it earlier, the sharing in or the sharing with. This church is the perfect picture of the gospel. That God, because of his infinite wisdom and mercy, created everything and it was, man, y'all should preach. And it was good. And because of sin, because of the fall of man, we owe a price. We owed a price. But because of his mercy and his faithfulness that are new each morning, because of his son Jesus, he sent grace to redeem us, to cover us. Through his son, we prevail, and because of that, we now live because of him. When we accept Jesus, when he calls our name and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we have now bought in to eternity. We call him Lord, right? This makes sense of the word konania, togetherness, oneness, devoted to love. So here's some questions. Do we serve each other? Do we lead in serving each other? Are we servant leaders in here? And if you've been around our church, we talk about being servant leaders. We talk about that we don't want to be at the front of the line pulling. We want to be at the back of the line saying, come on, y'all. I believe in you. Let's do it. Because that's what Christ did. Christ served God and he served the church. We experience fellowship with each other as believers because of the shared fellowship we have with Christ. Christ is the one that draws us together in fellowship. He is the aim of our devotion, and the love of that overflows in what he loves. And you know what he loves? You. Us. The Bible says that we share in his resurrection. Again, when he calls you by name and he says, hey, Reggie, hey, Kent, I want your heart. 
And he said, Lord, I'm here. Use me as your will, as you desire. We are then saying we have been crucified with Christ and now we are alive because of him. And so if fellowship means partnership, you should ask yourself, do we think as God as our partner? Are we connected to him in true oneness? Pastor Alex loves this verse and he says it all the time. Are we connected to the true vine as we are the branches? Are we working together with Christ to build his kingdom for his glory, for our good? Can we call ourselves one with God and what he wants for the world, what he wants for us? And then we should ask ourselves, look around the room. Do we consider these beautiful people in the room partners? When we step into our homes, when we step into our jobs, into our communities, into the church, and we hang out with believers, are we partnering with them? Are we working towards the goal of kingdom come? Are we working towards the goal that Christ has set before us, the mission, the way God intended? So this is to challenge you. What is needed or must change, Reggie, to experience this kind of fellowship? Be honest. Time. Any kids in the room? Is Ali uh, gone? Any kids? We suck at time management. Kevin talked about it last week. I got people in this room that are teachers, that are business people, you name it, doctors, and they have all the apps, all the schedules, all the beautiful planners. Miss Foss, Caitlin, she'll tell you. She keeps me in line on what I need to do at work. Hey, Reggie, you can map it out. But we are still horrible at time. Time, if fellowship is important to God, then we must make it a priority to create and set intentional times to meet and fellowship with one another. Physical presence, number two. Don't wait for the invite. Nobody's going to roll out the red carpet for you. I want the red carpet all the time. But no one's going to do that to you. No one's waiting for you to say, hey, this is a calm season right now. Let me connect with them. No, church, we are to press in. We are to love deeply. And the last one, relational pursuit. Be honest. How many of you sometimes, we like being pursued, guys and girl. Hey, Jesse, tomorrow, take a day off. Let's go golfing. I know a spot right here in Claremont. He's ready to go. go. What if I say, hey, Miss Brittany? Um, this is Miss Brittany's love language. Hey, um, Miss Brittany, I need some new pictures done of me and my family because I like look. No, Miss Brittany has the eye. Can you take us up to Waterford Park? Can you take us to Lake Eol, wherever? And can you do some pictures? Oh, yeah. She comes out, she's on the floor on her tummy because, again, that's her love language, and I just tapped into it. The gifting and the abilities that God has put in her and the interests and the abilities, God wants you to use that. To understand true fellowship, church, we need to be connected to the kingdom. So this is the bottom line. You guys have the bottom line? If you, church, look at me, give me your eyes. If you want to thrive, if you want to thrive, you must devote yourself to fellowship, kononia. True fellowship, kononia, is needed in order for the church to advance and is needed for the individual to walk with Christ. So don't settle for this counterfeit relationship. Don't settle for the social media side of, oh, wow, this looks pretty and I like the PJ mask because it's cool. Settle for what God wants. Aim for what he wants, because it's not settled. It is for your good, for his glory. How can we, the church, love and share one another? How can we love non-believers, people of different cultures, of different walk of life, of different beliefs, if we can't even love each other in the room? 
if we can't even love believers, and I heard, mm, but you should say amen. It hit me, Reggie. You hit me in the heart. Because that's all week what I've been dealing with. How am I expected to love a broken world if I can't even love my brothers and sisters that God has called? So I want to share something silly with you. Is that okay? I want to share, and this is the part where the pastor's like, hey, I'm almost wrapping up, Kevin. I got like five minutes, right? I'm almost wrapping up. I'm done. And non-denominational style, I take longer. I'm just kidding. I want to share with you one of the God's most deadliest creatures. Are you ready? I was trying to bring it in, but the elders declined. The finance team said no. I want to talk about a goose. <laughs> Listen, goose can be very crazy. They're vicious and territorial, right? So as I was thinking about this sermon series, I was talking to a pastor friend, and he's in the trenches with me. He's working hard. He's loving on people. And he said, Reggie, the bicycle remind me of a sermon I sat in a couple years ago where his pastor was preaching, and he was listening. And his pastor was walking through a very difficult season personally as well as with the church. Every time I get to this part in the sermon, it sucks because I, I hurt on this part. So he's talking about geese. <laughs> he's talking about the flight pattern in the sermon. And he was like, geese are just like my cycling. They ride right behind each other. The geese, they fly in a V formation. You ever seen them? There's always that one individual, that one goose at the front of the line. And what is he or she doing? Cutting the air, pulling the others forward, just like my bicycle, right? And so he's talking about it. And he's like, for a long time, National Geographic, people that study the life of the goose, <laughs> the life of geese, the flight pattern, they notice something very odd happening. That the goose at the front, he or she, they were not making any sound. They were just flapping away, just, right? Just living their lives. But the people in the V, they were honking, communicating nonstop. Now, just like cycling, and I'm not going to get on it, but just like cycling, I, I'm not supposed to turn around and look back. Mark, am I right? Kent, Jordan, those who cycle, you're supposed to, yes, be aware of your surroundings. Be focused on the path in front of you because you have a whole team you're pulling forward. How do I know they're still behind me? So what was happening is they were studying, and for years, they couldn't figure out why these goose, why the geese were doing this, just barking and honking, you name it, they were doing it. And they finally figured it out. That the goose at the front, although he can't see the ones behind him, the ones at the back were championing him on. Fellowship is where I'm in community with you, and I say, hey, this season, I got it, bro. Sister, I got it. Jump behind me. Draft behind me. I'm going to pull you forward. And then I got to step out of that season because sometimes God is working on my heart. And he says, Pastor Chris, take the helm. Get to the front. And Chris is going, and we're chanting, go, Pastor Chris. Come on, build him up. The geese are honking. Honk, honk, you can do it. I believe in you. Fly faster, fly harder. We're here, we're right here. We love you. Come on, you got this. And then Chris says, I need a break. I need a season. And I'm gonna call on Joey. Welcome to church, Joey. Joey just had a baby. And I'm gonna say, Joey, get to the front. Come on, let's do that. And you're like, come on, y'all. And we're chanting, Joey, Joey. If we gotta come up with a beloved chant, let's do it. And then we got Rich that says jump in front. And then we get Kristen. And then we get Jonathan. Then we get Jesse. Then we get people. Then we get my boy, who I know is not a quitter, who fights hard. You know who I'm talking to. And we're at the back chanting, come on, beloved. Do it for Christ. Do it for the kingdom. Do it for the glory. Can I call you guys to that? So then my buddy tells me, 
Reggie, at the back of the church, the pastor's preaching, and at the back of the church, he starts hearing honks. Right, Tim? Right, Isaac? He's hearing honking happening in the middle of the sermon, and he just breaks down. Because in that moment, the difficulties he was walking through in his life, the difficulty of the church they were building, they were growing, the pains, they were cheering him on. We are here, pastor. We are for you. I want to do that for you, and I want you to do that for me. I want you to do that for us. Because just like riding of the bike, we need that encouragement. This is very similar to what Christ has called us to. He laid his life down for the church. And he sits at the right hand of the throne, and he's championing us on. He said, this, the Bible says he is praying and interceding on your behalf. Hey, God, I know they just messed up. I know that sin got them. But remember, I covered them with my blood. That cross that is behind us, I did it for them. I believe in them, Jesus. I believe in them, God. Spirit's moving. There's something more to that. So here are the major takeaways. If we want to have deep fellowship, deep connection, it builds unity between the believers, the body of Christ. Let's be people set apart, different than the world, living for the glory of God, and then loving others, because that's his command. And then number two, Christians, a biblical fellowship, the way God intended, builds up his kingdom. Do you remember that last verse? That last verse in Acts chapter 2, it says verse 47. I'll read it to you right here. And every day, every day, 365, every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Our fellowship church, our fellowship with one another and with Christ is a witness to the world. The early church, they were committed to Jesus Christ and their walk with him that the world saw it. And guess what? We still see that ripple effect now. It's the reason why we gather now. So if you're new to the church world, you're just checking out beloved. You have no clue what this Christianity, what this Jesus is all about. And you're like, Reggie, I don't believe that I can see or I can even engage with, with true, authentic, genuine love relationship. I want you to start now. I want you to connect. We have a connect team. They're wearing red shirts. I want you to say, hey, I don't know what he's talking about, but connect me with somebody. Come talk to us. The pastors will be down front. Come talk to us. Connect now. That's my challenge for you. I want you to step out in Christ. I want you to step out of fear, out of pride. I want you to step into this story for your good. I want to encourage you there. And this is to my encouragement to the believers, to the ones that is faithful, that is walking to Christ, that Christ is rekindling your heart to a relationship with him. It is time to stand up, church. It is time to honk. It is time to build and encourage each other up. God is calling us by his strength to be game changers, to be beloved difference makers, to love the world, to love the church, to love our family, to love our community, love differently, love the way God intended. So can I call you to that action? I know that's hard. That's the first step. And Kevin says it all the time. Can I call us to live like the believers, the new believers, the new family of Christ in Acts chapter 2 and love one another, live devoted in koinonia, in fellowship with one another? Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you that you are, you're just awesome. You're amazing. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you saw fit to send your one and only son.
And God, we ask that you speak through our hearts, you speak to our hearts, to our minds, our spirits, our soul, cutting it in and saying, God, we give it over to you. Allow us the opportunities to fellowship with one another. Allow us the opportunities to step into those moments and those seasons of life where people are struggling, are hurting, to hear their stories, but to be a voice to remind them of God's faithful love. So we celebrate all that you've done. We heed your instruction. We heed your word. And we thank you for your love.